This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. الرحمن الرحيم يوم نحشر المتقين إلى الرحمن وفدا ونسوق المجرمين إلى جهنم وردا لا يملكون الشفاعة إلا من اتخذ عند الرحمن عهدا وقالوا اتخذ الرحمن ولدا لقد جئتم شيئا إدا تكاد السماوات يتفطرن منه وتنشق الأرض وتخر الجبال هدا أدعوا للرحمن ولدا وما ينبغي للرحمن أن يتخذ ولدا يا كل ما في السماوات والأرض إلا آت الرحمن عبدا لقد أحصاهم وعدهم عدا وكلهم آتيه يوم القيامة فردا <تصفيق> الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين Yesterday's um, session we covered again quite a few ayat due to both the short nature of the ayat and also the very general discourse of the ayat, and I talked about at length about that yesterday, and the purpose and the function of such basic discourse, that this is what we call, what we would call Iman 101. <clears throat> so just a real quick brief recap of what we talked about yesterday in the previous dars, in the previous session. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفْرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي كَفْرَ بِآيَاتِنَا وَقَالَ لَأُوتَيَنَّ مَالًا وَوَلَدًا Have you seen, can you believe these people who disbelieved in our ayat? And they said, and he said that I definitely will be given money and children. أَطَّلَعَ الْغَيْبَ أَمِ اتَّخَدَ عِنْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ عَهْدًا has he been able to peek into the unseen? Or does he have some special contract, guaranteed contract worked out with Ar-Rahman, with Allah? Kalla, of course not. سَنَكْتُبُ مَا يَقُولُ وَنَمُدُّ لَهُ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ مَدَّ We very soon will be writing everything that he says. وَنَمُدُّ لَهُ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ مَدَّ And we will extend for him a huge punishment. We will very much extend for him a great punishment. وَنَرِثُهُ مَا يَقُولُ وَيَأْتِينَا فَرْدًا and we will inherit all that which he talks about. So all that money and power and wealth and influence that he talks about, that he brags about, that he prides himself on. Allah says it comes back to us, it belongs to us, so it's going to come back to us. وَيَأْتِينَا فَرْدًا And he will come to us alone, individually. وَاتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ آلِهَةً لِيَكُونُوا لَهُمْ And وَاتَّخَذُوا They have taken aside from Allah آلِهَةً Deities, false gods, idols لِيَكُونُوا لَهُمْ عِزَّةً So that they would be a source of strength for them. كَلَّا Allah again says absolutely not that these are just their delusions. سَيَكْفُرُونَ بِعِبَادَتِهِمْ Rather these gods, these false deities will deny their worship of them. That they'll say basically we have nothing to do with the fact that you worshipped us. We didn't ask you to, we didn't approve, we didn't ask for any of this. So we have nothing to do with your actions. وَيَكُونُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ ضِدَّا In fact they will become opponents to them, they will argue against them on the day of judgment. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّا أَرْسَلْنَا الشَّيَاطِينَ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ تَأُزُّهُمْ أَزَّا Now here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoles the Prophet ﷺ saying that, that haven't you reflected, haven't you thought about the fact that we have set loose the shayateen upon such people. تَأُزُّهُمْ أَزَّا So that they can, they can encourage them, they can shake them up, they can rile them up. That's the word I was trying to think of yesterday, they can rile them up. So every time that these people start to have a sensible thought or a sensible idea, shayateen come in and rile them back up. So that's what's happening. فَلَا تَعْجَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ But at the same time, we don't want you to rush the issue in regards to them. إِنَّمَا نَعُدُّ لَهُمْ عَدًّا 
Most definitely, we are counting every little thing. We are precisely, intricately, in detail counting every little thing that these people do. And I had actually made a note to mention some couplets of poetry that were mentioned in this, uh, under this topic and this idea of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala counting and keeping full track of every little thing that people do. Uh, one poet, he says, حَيَاتُكَ أَنْفَاسٌ تُعَدُّ فَكُلَّمَا مَضَى نَفْسٌ مِنْكَ إِنْ تَقَصَدْ بِهِ جُزْءًا He says that your life are just nothing but breaths that are تُعَدُّ that are being counted individually. Each breath is accounted for. Each breath is accounted for. فَكُلَّمَا مَضَى نَفْسٌ مِنْكَ إِنْ تَقَصَدْ بِهِ جُزْءًا So that each and every single time you one breath passes you by, one breath, you use up one breath, إِنْ تَقَصَدْ بِهِ جُزْءًا A part of your life has just gone away. So just the idea of how how we're on limited time, how we're on borrowed time. And that's a reality a human being has to learn to live with. Another poet says, وَكَيْفَ يَفْرَحُ بِالدُّنْيَا وَلَذَّتِهَا فَتَنْ يُعَدُّ عَلَيْهِ اللَّفْضُ وَالنَّفْسُ He says that, how can uh, a young man enjoy life, enjoy the life of this world, and enjoy the pleasures of the life of this world, when in reality, like not just enjoy, but indulge and celebrate the luxuries of this world and the pleasures of this world, when in reality, يُعَدُّ عَلَيْهِ اللَّفْضُ وَالنَّفْسُ That every word he speaks, every breath he takes, is being counted against him. And that this is taking away from what he knows to be his life. So, نَعُدُّ لَهُمْ عَدًّا Allah says that they're on borrowed time. Don't worry. Not only are we keeping full track of everything that they do, but they're on borrowed time. And eventually they'll have to account to us. يَوْمَ نَحْشُرُ الْمُتَّقِينَ إِلَى الرَّحْمَانِ وَفْدًا the day, that meaning that day is coming, that we will gather all the good people, the righteous people, the God-fearing people, the people of taqwa together, to ar-Rahman, wafdan, in groups, in, 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 uh, in delegations, in convoys and envoys. So I gave that imagery, I explained that image yesterday. <clears throat> kind of like families walking through a park. How they all kind of walk together and the kids are kind of running around them in circles and they're all moving about, very happy, enjoying themselves, talking to each other. That's the scene of the people going to Jannah. وَنَسُوقُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ إِلَىٰ جَهَنَّمَ وِرْدًا And we will lead the mujrimin, the convicted criminals, to the hellfire, wirdan. Alright, so meaning just like animals are led to a watering hole. That they'll be taken like an animal is on a leash, and you lead it right up to the watering hole. So these people will be led right up to the gates of Jahannam, where they'll be handed over to Khazinu Jahannam Malik, and then he'll enter them into Jahannam, lock the gates, and then we obviously have talked about what will happen therein. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ayah number 87, continue on with the same discourse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَا يَمْلِكُونَ الشَّفَاعَةَ إِلَّا مَنِ اتَّخَذَ عِنْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ عَهْدًا This is a more broader general statement addressing both the groups that were talked about previously. لَا يَمْلِكُونَ الشَّفَاعَةَ That they will not own, they will not have the ability to intercede. Ayah number 87, they will not have the ability to intercede. الشَّفَاعَةَ And this means in both ways, they will not be able to intercede for other people and nobody will be able to intercede on their behalf. There is an exception however. إِلَّا Except for مَنِ اتَّخَذَ عِنْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ عَهْدًا Whosoever has taken with Allah an oath, a promise. Whosoever has come to an agreement with Allah. And the agreement that it's talking about here with Allah, أَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِ أُوفِي بِعَهْدِكُمْ You fulfill your oath to me and I will fulfill my oath. You keep up your end of the deal, Allah says, I'll keep up my end of the deal. And so what this is referring to is obviously we know, I'd like to kind of start off on a broader level talking about the concept of a shafa'ah. Because it works into the, the theme of what we're going to be talking about here today. A shafa'ah means intercession. Basically means it's for somebody to speak on your behalf. Like, like a recommendation. Somebody, to give a, somebody giving a recommendation. Somebody kind of putting in a good word for you. That is the concept of a shafa'ah. So somebody who might be in a little bit of trouble on that day, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Uh, uh, that person is being held accountable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and somebody comes along and says, he's a very good person, oh Allah, please forgive him. He's a very good person, or he tried his best, oh Allah, please forgive him. That is the concept of a shafa'ah. It's not some type of a blank check, it's not like granting immunity, it's not like some diplomat who has like some type of immunity, and it's like, no, you can't touch him, he's our guy. 
So it's not like making it onto like embassy grounds, so that's it, now you're in the United States of America. So it's not some weird movie scene or something like that. No, we're talking about the authority of Allah. We're talking about the court of Allah on the day of judgment. There is no other authority. So nobody's going to be able to step in and say, excuse me, I represent these interests, and this guy will be excused from any type of punishment. Absolutely not. That's not the concept of a shafa'ah. And the reason why I made that clarification is, you'd be surprised as to how confused people are about the concept of a shafa'ah. They really think of it to be some type of other authority will step in at that moment and say, he's our guy. So that's not how a shafa'ah works. A shafa'ah is a recommendation. That, oh Allah, I beg and I plead with you. I beg you and I plead with you, O oh Allah. This is a good person, he tried his best, and you know that best, O oh Allah. Please have some mercy on him and excuse him for whatever wrong he's done. But it is ultimately your decision. That is a shafa'ah. That's what a shafa'ah means. Somebody simply offering a very humble recommendation on somebody else's behalf. So first of all, let's get that concept of a shafa'ah straight. Secondly, what is the reality of a shafa'ah in religion? Shafa'ah is typically considered an issue um, that is typically discussed within aqidah or the area of aqaid. So a shafa'ah is something that is haqun, a shafa'ah to haqun. This, this is absolutely true and it's a reality within our religion. And who are the people that will be granted the honor and the distinction of doing shafa'ah? That's the other thing. A shafa'ah is granted to certain people as uh, an honor and a dignity as a respect extended to those people. So when somebody is given the permission to offer recommendations on others' behalf, that is actually being done to extend honor, to give respect and honor and dignity to the person who will be offering the recommendation. That you are someone that is so close to Allah, you are someone who is so beloved to Allah, you are someone who is in, in, in such good graces with Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow you to speak up in His court, and allow you to humbly offer a recommendation on someone else's behalf. So more so than who the shafa'ah is being offered for, more so than who the recommendation is being made on behalf of, it's more of an honor for the person making the recommendation. Making the recommendation. So it's kind of different than how we perceive it in dunya. That if you're able to get a recommendation from, you know, some big politician, or you're able to get a recommendation from some very, you know, high level academic or some big time professor or author, that, that shows an honor and a distinction to you. Alright, that's an honor for you. Like, oh, hey man, I got a recommendation from so and so. Right? But over there in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's more of an honor being extended to the one who is being allowed to offer a recommendation. That, and, and so obviously we know that Rasulullah, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, will be one of the primary um, individuals who will be given this honor by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to speak up in Allah's court and offer a recommendation. And again, to, to, to kind of... Um, to reiterate what I said earlier about the nature of a recommendation, there's a hadith in Bukhari which talks about one of the recommendations the Prophet ﷺ will make on behalf of all of humanity, and that is to begin the, account, the accounting of people, to begin the reckoning. That the hadith mentions that how will the Prophet ﷺ go about in doing that? That the Prophet ﷺ will fall in sujood. He'll fall in sujood before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he'll remain in sujood for an extended period of time. Humility. And he will offer praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the likes of which have never been said by any human being ever before. And in fact, the hadith mentions that there will be special praises that will be given to the Prophet ﷺ, ilhamam min Allah. That Allah will inspire these very beautiful praises within the heart of the Prophet ﷺ, and then he will offer these praises before Allah in the position of sujood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time will say, Stand up, O Habib. Stand up my beloved. And at that time the Prophet ﷺ will stand up and Allah SWT will say, your recommendation is accepted. Let the reckoning begin. Let the accounting begin. Because people will become miserable and frustrated just standing around. So, this is the nature of that recommendation. So it's humble, it's, it's, it's with humility before Allah. And it's an honor for the person that's being allowed to make a recommendation. And that's why not even all the Anbiya will have the courage to go and make a recommendation before Allah. But Muhammad Rasulullah will be that person that will start the recommendations being made before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as an honor to Muhammad Rasulullah wasallam. So this is the concept of a shafa'ah. The other thing is a couple of other points to keep in mind about a shafa'ah. That 
like I said, this is a permission that will be granted by Allah to these individuals. This won't be an issue of kind of like, you know, I'm going to make a recommendation because I'm so and so. It's it, that will not be the nature of these recommendations. The other thing is that these recommendations, that shafa'ah, will only be made for reasonable things, for appropriate things. So the Prophet and, and the Prophets are such pious, righteous people. We know there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ talking about that Sahibul Quran, who we often like to refer to as Hafidul Quran. But I talked about this earlier that it doesn't just mean any old Hafid of Quran. Alright? And I say that while giving full um, respect to the act of memorizing the Quran. It's a very, very noble act. However, we, what we have to understand from the narration of Ali radiallahu anhu, we understand that it's not just somebody who just simply memorized the words of the Qur'an, but it's somebody who lived the message of the Qur'an. Halala halala, wa harama. That he made the halal of the Qur'an halal, he made the haram of the Qur'an haram. He lived the Qur'an, he acted on the commands of the Qur'an. He believed firmly in the things that were demanded of him within the Qur'an. Alright, so this is the type of person it's referring to. Such a person, Hadith and Tirmidhi also tells us, that such a person will also be granted the honor and the distinction to be able to make recommendations on certain people's behalf. From And some of the more extended narrations often um, even go as far as mentioning the fact that they will be individuals from his extended family. And of course, but it will be within these confines obviously. It will be as an honor to this person who committed his life to preserving the Qur'an and living the Qur'an. And it will also be within a very, very reasonable limit. That this person obviously is standing before Rabbul Alameen, standing before Allah with the ahwal. Not just the ahwal, but the ahwal, what we call in Arabic. The, the very frightening scenes of the Day of Judgment. This person will not stand before Allah and make inappropriate recommendations. Right, but he'll only make recommendations on people's behalf who will have been people who were who who believed, people who did good deeds, people who tried to do the best that they could. But obviously, because they were human beings, they tripped up here, they fell a little short there, they messed up a little bit there. Just like is human nature, it's human nature to mess up a little bit. And now they're struggling on the day of judgment because they have some of their. Their, their slip-ups and their forgetfulness catching up to them. And at that time, that recommendation will be made on these people's behalf, just to give them the little bit of a nudge that they need. And subhanAllah, the scholars even mention in the books of Aqidah, and in the books of Hadith, the scholars actually mention, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have already decreed that such people will be forgiven. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow for recommendations to be made before they are forgiven, going back to the, to the second point I made, to give honor and distinction to these very, very noble people. So Allah's already decided that this person will be forgiven. He, he was a good guy. She was a good person. They tried to do the best that they could. They just messed up a little. And that happens. That happens to people. And Allah has already decreed that this person will be forgiven. But what Allah will allow to happen is, let Muhammad Rasulullah wasallam come and speak on their behalf and make a recommendation on their behalf. Why? To give honor to Muhammad Rasulullah and so we have to understand exactly the nature of a shafa'ah. And the reason why I go into this lengthy explanation about a shafa'ah is because shafa'ah is a, a huge predicament for a lot of people. That people have turned shafa'ah and the concept of these recommendations, this intercession, they've turned this idea into somewhat of a, like a fallback option. Right, they've turned it into something that basically makes them lazy, makes them negligent, makes them careless, makes them lackadaisical about the observance of their relationship with Allah. That not only am I faulting in my relationship with Allah, but it's not a problem. Shifa, I'll be alright. I'll be all good. So it's actually a predicament. It's, it's like a weakness of human nature to just want to fall back on your hookups. Right? Ah, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. Like, don't worry about it. My dad knows the professor. My dad knows the dean of the university. I'll be all right. I'll walk across that stage when the day comes. So it's just that that's 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 a fault of uh, of people. That's a weakness within human beings to want to get that easy way out. And that's where it comes from. And subhanAllah, this is not just a predicament within Muslims, but this is that same little seed, that same little virus that sometimes starts to grow and flourish within a person's heart and can lead a person all the way to disbelief even. It can even lead a person to straight up clear disbelief and shirk with Allah. And we're gonna see that uh, uh, coming up. إِلَّا مَنِ اتَّخَذَ عِنْدَ الرَّحْمَنِ عَهْدًا 
except for those people who of course have an ahad with Allah, have that agreement with Allah, have that relationship with Allah. And what that means is two things. Number one, they held up their end of the bargain. Awfu bi'ahdi, awfu bi'ahdikum. They held up their end of the bargain. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is holding up His promise to them. Allah is fulfilling His promise to them. And what was Allah's promise to them? I will honor you, I will give you distinction, and I will give you respect on the Day of Judgment. And that's that respect being offered to these people. Number two, that this agreement in place has a second thing as well. And that is basically whosoever Allah has decreed this for, Allah has made this promise for. So basically it turns out to be the same thing, but you can understand it either way. Ayah number 88, after refuting this false notion, this false sense of security that some people get from a very misunderstood version of intercession, of... of um, of, this, of these recommendations being made, that don't worry, I'll get hooked up. Don't worry, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Right? So this, this false notion, these delusions that some people live life based on, after refuting that, Allah says, وَقَالُوا And they said, referring back to the disbelievers, the disbelievers and the mushrikun, referring back to them, they said, اِتَّخَذَ الرَّحْمَانُ وَلَدًا Ar-Rahman, we again see the same attribute of Allah reoccurring here. It's going to occur two more times after this, which will be a total of 16 times. I'll talk about that a little bit later. That Ar-Rahman has taken a child. Ar-Rahman has taken a child. Meaning Ar-Rahman has a son or a child. And the thing is here, that at this point, it's kind of concluding the surah, concluding the entire conversation, the dialogue, the discourse. So this is it's stated in a very general term. Because it's implicating all of the above. Whether it be the Yahud, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ عُزَيْرٌ ibn Allah, Or it's implicating the Nasara, the Christians, وَقَالَتِ النَّصَارَ الْمَسِيحُ ibn Allah. The Christians made Al-Masih, Isa ibn Maryam, ibn Allah. Or, it could also be talking about the Mushrikun. Because even the Mushrikun, we talked about this at length before, they considered the Malaika to be Banatullah. And the thing about the word walad is in modern Arabic when we hear the word walad, we say, we think immediately, we think son. But in classical Arabic, walad doesn't mean son. Walad means offspring, child. Without any specification. So it's implicating all of the above. The Jews, the Christians, or the mushrikun. Anybody who basically made such an inappropriate um, comment about Allah, who believes something inappropriate about Allah of this nature, is basically saying that these people actually said, Ar-Rahman has taken a child, Ar-Rahman has offspring. Ittakhadha Ar-Rahmanu walada. Allah in ayah number 89 reprimands them and says, لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ شَيْئًا إِدًّا لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ شَيْئًا إِدًّا Look at the level of emphasis in this ayah. First you have laqad, which is two levels of emphasis. Lam and laqad. Laqad, no doubt, most definitely. Ji'tum, you have come. Meaning you have brought. You have come with. Alright? Because it has an object up ahead. So you have come with. Alright? And even the word for coming, for arriving, is not the lighter word. Remember we talked about that earlier? Long, long time ago, in the beginning of Surah Maryam, we talked about that, that it, there's a word, ityan But then there's another word, which is the heavy word. When you do something really, really like, just, just horrible. So Allah says, Maryam came very with confidence, with ease, with tranquility, with peace. Because Allah had shown her miracles and Allah had given her confidence. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had consoled her that, no, don't worry, you are a carrier of truth. So you need to go and not be afraid. So she came very comfortably, very relaxed. Atat bihi qawmaha tahmilu. But then when they accuse Maryam, they say, لَقَدْ جِئْتِ شَيْئًا فَرِيًّا How could you do something like this? How could you bring something like this? How could you come back to us with something like this? An illegitimate child, what's wrong with you? So same here, that same word is being used to address these people now. Who said Allah has offspring, Allah has a child. لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ No doubt, most definitely, how could you do something? How could you say something like that? How could you bring something so horrible? شَيْئًا Something, شَيْئًا إِدًّا Something so wildly inappropriate. إِدًّا 
means something that is inappropriate, very, very inappropriate. And it's so inappropriate that it, it induces or it uh, demands a response from people. Like if somebody was to say something kind of somewhat inappropriate, like somebody kind of, you know, maybe um, yells at another person in the masjid, kind of like gets, gets a little aggressive with somebody, hey, brother, what are you doing? Okay, we say, brother, don't, calm down, relax, right? You, it doesn't cause a scene, right? You say, relax, brother. But imagine somebody knocks somebody out in the middle of the masjid. Wouldn't that pretty much cause a riot in the masjid? We're Muslims people, it would cause a riot, okay? Alright, don't deny it, alright? It's just, it's, we're working on it inshallah. So, if somebody knocks somebody out in the masjid, like, oh, physical violence, let's cause more. So, it, it, would, it would immediately, it would immediately incite a riot. It would cause a huge reaction. That is the meaning of the word id. Something that is so wildly inappropriate, that it causes a reaction. It incites a riot. That's why I said wildly inappropriate. That you people have brought something that is so wildly inappropriate, and they're being said this, this is being said to them by Allah Himself. And we'll see up ahead, very beautiful. We'll see up ahead why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using this word iddan. Before we do that, what I'd like to point out to you here is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from today where we started reading ayah number 87, Allah talking about these disbelievers, He was talking about them in the third person. La yamlikuna. Summer students, yamlikuna. They, right? They. So, so they, alright? So it's referring to them in the third person. Alright? Then you go up ahead. Waqalu. They said. Again, third person. And then in ayah number 89, Allah says, لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ أَنْتُمْ All of you. So in from third person to second person. Allah was originally addressing these people with the third person because that has its own eloquence. When you address someone with the third person, it's as if, you know right now, I'm so disappointed in you, I can't even look at you. Right now, I'm so disappointed with you. I'm so angry with you, with, you, with what you've said or what you've done, I can't even look at you. So that's third person. But then when, when, you, when you start elaborating on you know, what those people have done, some people have done this, some done this, and then when it gets to the point of mentioning something really bad they've done, then almost like the, 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 the tone becomes so severe, or the reprimand becomes so direct, that at that time you turn to them, you point to them and say, how could you do something like this? How could you? Because first you're not addressing them directly. Some people have been saying things like this. Some people have been doing things like this. And then when the conversation kind of escalates, then you point at them and say, you, how could you do this? How could you do this? So it turns from third person to second person, iltifat, and we see that here. So as I was going back to the meaning of the ayah, it said that, how could you, that these, all of you have done something, have come with something that is so wildly inappropriate. And like I said, that the word literally means that it starts inciting a riot. It causes a reaction. Alright? Ayah number 90. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تَكَادُ samawatu. You people have done something so horrible, it's causing a riot amongst the creation of Allah. When, you, when, when people say things like, Allah has a son, Allah has children, and they make shirk of this nature in this level, the other creation of Allah are appalled. The other creation of Allah are infuriated. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. This is a narration, Alama Alusi in Ruhul Ma'ani mentions the narration, the hadith, that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he says that all of the creation of Allah are fearful of committing shirk of Allah. All the creation of Allah are appalled and infuriated at the act of shirk. And there's only one creation of Allah that has either, whether you call it the audacity, or whether you call it the obliviousness, the stupidity, to be able to do shirk with Allah, and that is subhanAllah the human being. That's that same idea that's mentioned in Surah Tutin. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ The human being can be the best of the best. Or, ثُمَّ رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ Or the human being can be the worst of the worst. It's a full spectrum. People cover that entire spectrum. 
And so that's what it's referring to, that's what it's talking about here. So Ibn Abbas says that the creation of Allah cannot stand the fact that human beings do shirk with Allah. And so what does Allah say? Takadu samat. It's very the skies are very near. They're very close. Kada yakadu. They're very near, very close to doing what? Yatafattarna minhu. That the sky would completely rip apart due to the shirk that is being done. وَتَنْشَقُّ الْأَرْضُ And the earth would split open and swallow everybody on it. Out of fury for what this shirk, this shirk that is being done, and the shirk that this human being is committing. وَتَخِرُّ الْجِبَالُ هَدَّنْ And the mountains would come crashing down. And هَدَّنْ means that when something falls, when something huge falls, and it falls like so hard, that it, like, it, it causes... Like not only does it make noise, but it kind of shakes the ground. You know, so imagine like a building being demolished. When a building is demolished, or they put some explosives to bring a structure down, you know how it boom, it shakes the ground around it. And when it falls and you see that dust flying in all directions for miles, and it's just this chaotic scene, that's what the khirul, the mountains will come crashing down, haddan, as like an explosion. As like an explosion. So the, the sky is close to just wanting to rip apart. And all types of things come raining down, falling down from the sky upon this human being. Tanshakul ardu, the earth wants to just split open and start swallowing these people in. The mountains just want to come crashing down and demolish this human being and everything that this human being lives with. The creation of Allah is so infuriated. How could you do this? How could you do this? And so they are, they are so appalled at the shirk with Allah. And, and this is something, first of all, this is like a personification of a lot of these creation of Allah. And again, that's not through some stretch of the imagination. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Anbiya, Surah number 17, ayah number 44, That there is not a simple thing except that it praises and glorifies Allah, وَلَكِنْ لَا تَفْقَهُونَ تَسْبِيحَهُمْ But rather all of you, you do not understand their tasbih. You don't hear them or understand them praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's talking about this fact. So these are creation of Allah who have a relationship with Allah, who praise and glorify Allah, who are obedient and subservient to Allah. So that's the first thing. So we shouldn't feel like this is some huge stretch of the imagination, this type of personification of the creation of Allah, but rather this is a very real thing. This is really, really actually happening. Alright? The next thing is this, that why is the, the, the heavens and the earth and the mountains, these three things being mentioned, this is again, Qur'anically, how does this corroborate? Tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an, we see some very beautiful consistency here. At the end of Surah Al-Ahzab, I believe. At the end of Surah Al-Hazab, Surah number 33, Allah says, إِنَّا عَرَضْنَا الْأَمَانَةَ عَلَى السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَالْجِبَالِ That we offered this amana. We offered this amana of guidance, accountability, free will. We offered this amana, Allah says, to the skies and the earth and the mountains. فَأَبَيْنَ أَنْ يَحْمِلْنَهَا and they refused to carry it. They said, no, no, Allah. We will be just simple, subservient khalq, makhluk of Allah. We don't want all this free will, and then this uh, guidance, and then the choice that is to be made, and then the accountability to you, no, oh Allah. We don't want it. وَأَشْفَقْنَ minha. They were afraid of it. وَحَمَلَهَا insanu. But the human being said, bring it on. I can handle this. I can handle this. And so we already know about that fact. And you see that catching up over here to this human being, that when the human being then abuses this amana, then the heavens and the earth and the mountains are just so also angry with this human being. That you foolish human being. That you are abusing such an unbelievable trust and amana from Allah. Such a gift from Allah is being squandered away by you. That we don't even feel that, the, that this creation of Allah doesn't even want to provide that ceiling and that protection. جَعَلْنَا سَمَاءَ سَقَفًا مَحْفُوظًا The sky is a protective ceiling. The sky says, I don't even want to protect you anymore. وَإِلَى الْأَرْضِ كَيْفَ سُطِحَتْ 
that the earth has been spread underneath the feet of the human being. فَمْشُوا فِي مَنَاكِبِهَا ذَلُولًا هُوَ الَّذِي جَعَلَ لَكُمُ الْأَرْضَ ذَلُولًا The earth has been put to the service of the human being. Walk around on it, grow stuff on it, build stuff on it, do whatever you want with it. That the mountains are there as pegs. وَالْجِبَالَ أَوْتَادًا أَن تَمِيدَ بِكُمْ That the mountains have been put on the earth so that this earth does not shift around with you on it. So all this creation of Allah that is serving this human being, says that we are just disgraced to even be serving this type of a creation of Allah. Who would disrespect and disobey Allah to this extent at this level. Infuriated. But then finally, what do we realize? We see shirk going on all around. We see Allah being disobeyed all around. Is the sky ripping open? Raining down fire on the people? Is the earth swallowing the people whole? Are the mountains coming crashing down onto people? No, they're not. Because at the end of the day, they are still so obedient to Allah, that while they would like to, and they seek permission from Allah, Oh Allah, let us just tear down on these people. Let us just devour these people. Let us crush these people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says no. And they obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the T. They obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the T. And in that in and of itself is another lesson. Oh human being, look at this creation of Allah. Look how obedient they are. Learn something. Learn something. وَتَخِرُوا الْجِبَالُ هَدَّى Ayah number 91. Rahmani waladan. Why are, why are the heavens and the earth and the mountains so infuriated? Why is all this creation of Allah so angry with this human being? Explanation, this an is an tafsiriyah. An rahmani waladan. Because they called for ar-Rahman waladan. Again, you have the word ar-Rahman. The attribute of Allah ar-Rahman, Allah being referred to as ar-Rahman. And it's being mentioned here again that Allah is ar-Rahman. He's the one that is so abundantly merciful. He has showered His mercy upon these people. And look what these people still do. They still actually go and call out to someone else or something else and say that is the son of Allah, that are, those are the daughters of Allah, those are the associates of Allah. مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَا إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَى These are just associates of Allah. Then look at what these people do. Why wouldn't we want to just crush these people? أَنْدَعُوا لِلرَّحْمَانِ وَلَدًا وَمَا يَنْبَغِي لِلرَّحْمَانِ أَنْ يَتَّخِذَ وَلَدًا And then even more clarification. Clarification is being made here where it seems obvious, but it's being made for two reasons. Number one, I said this earlier, I'll say it again. This is Iman 101. I had a lengthy rant two days ago. So I'm not going to do it again. But what I will remind everyone of is, when we are teaching people basic Iman, do not assume things on behalf of the people you're addressing. Do not assume things. Don't just figure. Yeah, they probably already kind of understand this. No, no, no. Lay Iman out for people. Talk Iman with people. Talk it out with people. Explain the basics to people. That's what people are in need of. Of course, there's the element of knowing your audience. So there will be intermediate and advanced audiences. But nevertheless, vast majority of the people will fall under the first category. We gotta talk to them about the basics. And that's what I was addressing even that time. And I'll just, a little quick reminder again. And that is, these tafsir lectures, while I try to simplify, but it's very intense. So when you decide to go and share this with other people, and, uh, and I, the hope and the dua, the prayer is that you do share this on with other people. That when you share this on with other people, then at that time know your audience. And speak to them according to their level. And make sure that you explain it out to people though in a way that they can understand. So it's elaborating here. So that's the first reason for the elaboration, the explanation. The second reason is, that it is not leaving any room for doubt. In the discourse about iman, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about salah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about salah, He gives us the general guidelines about salah, and then of course, the rest of the salah we pick up through the example of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa There's that system in place. Zakat, you pay your zakat. Where do we get the exact structure of zakat from? Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu But when it comes to like basic iman, it's no, no type of room for any doubt is being left. 
very clearly, explicitly, every little thing being laid out. And even when we look to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ didn't address every little issue of fiqh that we come across. He gave us general guidelines. Like the hadith of Mu'adh bin Jabal anhu. That when he was sending him to Yemen, he said that when people run into a situation, Mu'adh, Ya Mu'adh, how are you going to make a decision? He said, Kitab Allah, Quran. He says, فَلَمْ تَجِدْ فِيهِ What if you don't find the answer in the book of Allah? فَبِسُنَّةِ Nabi. Then I'll go to the sunnah of the Prophet, the Messenger. I'll go to your sunnah, O Messenger of Allah. He says, okay, very good. What if you don't find it there? And then the Prophet ﷺ explained to him that then what you do in that situation is you take the Qur'an, you take the sunnah, you draw principles from it, and then you apply those principles and come to good solid conclusions for the people. So these type of like day-to-day type issues, fiqh issues, technicalities, these are things that we even have principles. Not everything is even addressed in the collection of hadith. We draw those principles and the scholars, they apply those principles and they give us answers. But when it comes to these basic imaniyat laid out explicitly, both in the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. <clears throat> Ayah number 92, وَمَا And it is completely inappropriate. Completely inappropriate. It is not befitting in any way, shape or form at all. Rahman For Ar-Rahman أَنْ يَتَّخِذَ وَلَدًا That he would take a child. That not only have these people attributed a child to Allah, but the clarification is being made that this is completely unfitting Allah. That Allah would even take a child. And then a little bit of an explanation, why is it so preposterous? Why is it so unfathomable that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have a child, that Allah would have offspring in any way, shape or form? Number one, because where does the need for a child often come from? Either it comes from the need of wanting some type of a support system. Wanting an aid, wanting a supporter, wanting companionship. Like Yaqub alayhi salam, or excuse me, um, Zakariya alayhi salam said, Rabbi la tadarni fardan. Rabbi la tadarni fardan. Oh Allah, do not leave me alone. Don't make me alone. Like don't, don't keep me lonely. I want, I, need, I want a child, I need a child. So that type of companionship, that emotional support that a child can provide, that emotional fulfillment. And of course Allah is beyond those such needs. The second need, of, uh, reason why somebody might want a child is they want an inheritor. Somebody to inherit from them, their life's work, who's going to inherit all this? Zakariya alayhi salam again said, Yarithuni, Yarithuni, I want a child so that he can inherit from me. Maybe they want that type of inheritance that they want is somebody to kind of carry on their legacy. وَيَرِثُ مِنْ عَلِيَ عَقُوبَ وَإِنِّي خِفْتُ الْمَوَالِيَ Remember when he said, I'm not comfortable about these people I'm leaving behind. I'm not confident in them. I need somebody who can really carry on this message, carry on the legacy of prophets. يَرِثُ مِنْ عَلِيَ عَقُوبَ So some, maybe somebody wants some of them to carry on the legacy. Again, this is, Allah is above and beyond such needs. Maybe somebody wants, when they are in old age, they need somebody to lean on. Literally, they need some t- somebody to take care of them. Zakaria was saying, وَهَنَ الْعَظْمُ مِنِّي وَشَّعَلَ الرَّأْسُ شَيْبًا My bones are falling apart, my hair is going white, my head is going gray. I need someone, I need a child. But again, Allah is above and beyond such needs. Allah is ghani, He is samad, self-sufficient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no such type of need. So, وَمَا يَنْبَغِي لِلْرَحْمَانِ It's completely inappropriate for a Rahman to even take a child. Ayah number 93, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِن كُلُّ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا آتِ الرَّحْمَانِ عَبْدًا That there is, that each and every single thing in the heavens and the earth, and not just, excuse me, I'd like to correct that, each and every single person, Man here, ma is lil uqul It is both for people and for non-people, for inanimate objects. But man is specifically lil uqul. It is specifically used for people. So each and every single person, fisamawati wal ardi, illa that no one in the heavens and the earth exists except that. 
Atir Rahmani, that he or she will come to our Rahman. No one exists, not a single thing exists, not a single person exists in the heavens and the earth, except that he or she will come to our Rahman. So basically it's saying that each and every single person in the heavens and the earth, each and every single person in existence, who has ever existed, will come, Ati, it's in the ism form, Ati Rahmani. It doesn't say, Atar Rahmana, Ati Rahmani. Mudaf Mudaf Ilay. It's alright, it's in the ism form. And by putting it in the ism form, it further strengthens the meaning. That they will come. You cannot deny the fact that they will come. They will come and they will have to come. Atir Rahmani. That much more emphasis by putting it into the noun format. Alright? They will have to come. But they're not just gonna come to a Rahman. How will they come to a Rahman? Abdan. In servitude, in slavery. As slaves. And this is implicating everyone. Notice it says man. Each and every. Kullu man. Each and every single person. So those who in this life and in this world realize that they are the slaves of Allah, those people will, they'll have to, and they will, and these people will come willingly. They live the life of abdiyah. They live the life of being a slave of Allah. They'll be pleased to be presented before Allah as slaves of Allah. But then there were also some people in this dunya, in this world, who did not live with this mindset of being a slave of Allah. And guess what? Even these people will on this day have to show up as slaves of Allah. And so you, we best do it now in this dunya because it will make it a lot easier on that day. We best do it in this dunya because it will make it a lot easier on that day. إِلَّا آتِ الرَّحْمَانِ عَبْدًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ أَحْصَاهُمْ لَقَدْ أَحْصَاهُمْ one more thing, excuse me, I forgot. One more thing in ayah number 93. When it says, كُلُّ man, Each and every single person will come as a slave of Allah on that day. That's also making a refutation of that same idea of the Yahud saying that Uzair is the son of Allah. The Christians saying that Isa al-Masih is the son of Allah. The, the Mushrikun saying the daughters are the banat of Allah. Saying, no, 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 no. There is no Ibnullah, there is no Bintullah. Each and every single person will be Abdullah. Abdur Amatullah. Every single person, they will all be Ibadullah. They will all be Ibadullah. They will all come as slaves of Allah. So now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ أَحْصَاهُمْ لَقَدْ أَحْصَاهُمْ Most definitely, no doubt, He has fully rounded them up. Al-Ihsa means to take everything into full account. To round up everything. So to not just take, an, take account, okay, how many people are in the room? So one, two, three, four. Not just to take account like that. Ta'addud is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's ta'addud. Ihsa means to not just account for everyone, but like round everybody up. So let's say I get everybody, everybody filed up into two lines. Brothers one side, sisters one side, of course. Alright. Brothers one side, sisters one side, line them up, get them all in one line, fully round them up, and have everybody accounted for, have a full roster ready of everybody, and in the order of the line that they're standing in. So the, the roster is also in the sequence in which they're standing. Like fully rounding up everyone. Allah says, لَقَدْ أَحْصَاهُمْ Everybody's been rounded up. Everybody's on the roster. Everybody's been accounted for. Yeah, nobody's getting away. Nobody's getting away. وَعَدَّهُمْ عَدًّا And then each and every little thing about them will be counted. So not only have they, all, they, have they all been rounded up, but every little thing about them will be counted. And so now this is referring to what they said, what they did, their actions, their deeds, their disbelief, their shirk, their good deeds, their prayers, their iman, their a'mal, whatever it is, good or bad, every little thing that anyone ever did, everything is accounted for. فَمَن يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَن يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًّا يَرَهُ Whoever did a simple thing of good, the smallest amount of good will see it. Whoever did the smallest amount of bad will see it. So not only have they been rounded up, have they been put on the roster and fully accounted for, 
But everything they did has already been taken completely into account. There's a full detailed record of everything they've done. And I've talked about many, multiple times about that book of deeds and that record. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَكُلُّهُمْ وَكُلُّهُمْ Ayah number 95, وَكُلُّهُمْ And all of them, each and every single one of them, all of them, Atihi. Again, here it's not as a verb. Not atahu. Not atahu. But rather it is atihi. It's not atahu. It's atihi. It's in the noun form again as a mudaf mudaf ilay. To show the undeniability, the inevitability of this happening. The undeniability and the inevitability of this happening. This is going to happen. There's no expiration limit on this, guys. This is going to happen. Atihi, each and every single one of them will come to him, will come to Allah. Yom al on the day of judgment. Yom al on the day of judgment. Fardan, fardan. Individually, individually. Now, there's two things to understand here. Number one, this could obviously very specifically be talking about the disbelievers. Because overall these ayat that we've been talking about have been showing that, uh, have been talking about the disbelievers, the people who did shirk with Allah and disbelieved in Allah. So it could be talking about them. And we already have seen previously in the surah, in ayah number 80, Allah said, وَنَرِثُهُمْ أَيَقُلُوا وَيَأْتِينَا فَرْدًا So that's already been said, so it's reiterating that same idea. But at the same time, the mufassirun, they mention, this could be talking about all people in general. That even the good people and the bad, but you'll say, wait a second, you already said, وَنَسُوقُ الْمُجْرِمِ Excuse me, وَنَحْشُرُ الْمُتَّقِينَ إِلَى الرَّحْمَانِ وَفْدًا That they'll come in these groups and in these delegations, in these parties, living it up, having a good time. Yes, they will come to Ar-Rahman in that form. But there is one little reality, that they will come in this form, but at the same time, each person at least for a short amount of time, at a very minimal level, each person will then be broken away from their group and be made to stand before Allah. Because the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ tells us, لا يزال قدماء ابن آدم حتى يسأل عن أربعين That the feet of Ibn Adam will not move from their place until he answers, until he is asked for, excuse me, about four things. He is asked about four things. Alright, how we spent his life, عَنَ عُمْرِهِ فِي مَا أَفْنَا وَعَنْ شَبَابِهِ فِي مَا How he spent, how we used his youth, then how, uh, where he earned from, where he spent, and then of course how much of his knowledge did he actually practice. So that minimal level of accounting, that's going to be there for every individual human being, even for the good. Even for the good. And that's just the reality of it. But nevertheless, so there are two ways to understand this. Either it's talking about the bad people, and of course then it's very, very obvious. Or it could also, the Mufassirun mentioned, that it could be talking about everyone. And yes, they will come in their groups and in their parties, and then they'll be said, could you just step aside just for a minute? And at that time, then that individual standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will happen. And then at that time, they'll go back to their parties and their delegations and their groups and their families. And then they'll go back to partying. But nevertheless, that one that, that that moment will occur when they will have to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala individually. And of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. May Allah give us all the ability to practice everything we've said and heard. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nasakfiruka wa natawila.